0: All right, welcome everyone to this NFL Draft Bible HBCU Senior Showcase. Ryan Roberts here joined by my two co-hosts, Mr. Joe DeLeon and Mr. Alex Gilstrap. You can find us together at Believe in NFL Draft Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Happy to welcome you all in here. Happy to welcome our panel to the show. We're really pumped up about the the quality that we have coming to you, the stories that we have coming to you, the background we have coming to you, uh, and I'm excited to have Alex and Joe along for this ride to uh, to really break this down uh, for you all. That you know, obviously, most of you know HBCU, of course, standing for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Uh, mostly, they, so they were established. A little bit of history for you, real quick. Before the Civil Rights Act of 1964, those were the colleges were were um, were all founded with the intention of primarily serving the African-American communities. We talk about opportunity a bunch. At that, up until that point, opportunity was very limited. Um, so for the century leading up to that, to the Civil Rights Act was passed, opportunity was not afforded. So the, that's where the, the the establishment of these universities, these colleges, this is the historical backing. This was opportunity for African-Americans for education. So we have here, Football terms. We're gonna break it down a little bit. We're gonna talk a little bit about the celebration bowl. And part of the celebration bowl every year now, the middle uh, the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference, or might might know it as the MEAC, faces off against the Southwestern Athletic Conference or the SWAC. And along with those and these historic um, universities and colleges, we have some representation tonight from an NFL, uh, from a future NFL perspective, from, from a football perspective. We have, representing tonight, Alcorn State, Alabama A&M, Rambling State, North Carolina a Bethune-Cookman. We also have a special guest from North Carolina Central that's going to be with us on in a second here. Before I do though, again, I want to introduce Jody DeLeon and Alex Giltrap. Joe, I know you're pumped up just like myself. Be able to be here tonight, man. Um, just obviously thanking you for for joining me here. And if you want to introduce yourself and just a little background on yourself.
1: Uh, Yeah, super quick, Uh, Joe DeLeon. I am a recent graduate and former football player from the University of Rhode Island. Played long snapper there. Now I'm currently a free agent long snapper. A little bit out of commission because I just had surgery done to fix something in my pec, but uh, still chasing after that dream. If anybody after this has any questions about that stuff, feel free to ask me any of the players that are part of the panel. But more than excited to hear everybody's story, their background, all that good stuff. Absolutely, and
0: then my... Third partner in crime for tonight, Mr. Alex Gilstrap. Alex, if you want to just introduce yourself briefly.
2: Yeah, uh, just uh, helping with the podcast with Ryan and Joe. Uh, this is my second show with NFL Draft Bible. I did the Division II show uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is a great event to kind of get some backstory on some ta- guys that aren't talked about enough, especially with the offseason that we've had. Uh, you're not getting the exposure, especially with moving the season to the spring. So this is just a good opportunity for people to get – names on radars and i'm excited to get some of the best guys from hbcus out here tonight
0: absolutely and to to kick us off tonight before i actually do that if it's your first time using zoom just real quick top uh middle of the screen there is a option that you can watch gallery mode which will be everybody in the zoom session If you would rather watch just the person speaking there is an individual speaker mode that you can click so if you rather just see the individual person feel free it is up to your preference there bottom of the screen how it's gonna run is we're gonna roll through our panel, get some questions, get as much background as we possibly can. But the second half mostly for, of this of this uh, seminar, we're gonna allow the, the viewers to come off mute, ask questions. So in the bottom middle of the screen, there is a chat function that at any point, put a question in. If your question is specifically for a quill glass, put in this is for a quill and then put your question. I'll allow you to come off a of mute and uh, for the second half of the Q&A session to ask your question directly for Aquil or for whoever else you want to speak to my pleasure. And I must say my pleasure being in the NFL draft industry and being a person that, um, you know, evaluates players working for NFL draft Bible as the director of scouting, a person that i I hold in very high regard in this industry. Is a, a person for the NFL draft. Uh, sorry, from the Draft Network, senior NFL draft analyst. I got Jordan Reed, who agreed to come on. After accounting for 3,842 total yards and 28 touchdowns for North Carolina Central as a player, including the final two years under center for the program, Jordan Reed chose to stay close to the game as an assistant coach at his alma mater. Transitioning to the media and the scouting industry, Jordan has become one of the most respected draft analysts in the industry, including by myself. After several great accomplishments, including co-founding ClimbingThePocket.com, Jordan now serves as Senior NFL Draft Analyst for the Draft Network. We have five universities represented by five of the premier players on the level. Jordan makes six with North Carolina Central. Jordan, want to thank you again, man, for just taking some time with us tonight. And um, if you just want to say hello to the folks, we we really do appreciate it.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, uh, Ryan, Joe. And then also, Alex, it's a pleasure being here. I've read a lot about you guys. Uh, teams team asked me about some of you guys every day. So it's just a pleasure finally getting to meet some of you guys. Aquil, you know we have a running relationship already um, over the summer. Colterio, it's a pleasure to be here with you as well. I believe David David is on here. Uh, there's a lot of people already excited about you, man. So I'm just excited to finally put some faces to names, and I'm excited to get to know a little bit more about you guys. And It's a pleasure being here in front of everybody on this Zoom call as well.
0: Absolutely, and we want to thank Jordan again so much for being our special guest, our guest speaker here tonight. Uh, Jordan, running through some questions with you real quick. Uh, First, I wanted to ask, going to your college career specifically to start, I saw um, when I was doing some research on you had a brief stop at Winston-Salem State before taking your game to North Carolina Central. Can you just take the viewers and the panel through your journey to make it to North Carolina Central, a part of an HBCU program?
3: Yeah, so I had kind of a, a bit of a different journey. Um, I wasn't a big-time recruit coming out of high school or anything like that. I ended up tearing my meniscus my last year of high school, so I didn't get to play except for two games. And then, you know, I, I had no clue what the HBCU was. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. My senior year of high school, um, I, I grew up within a lot of the HBCU rivalry, but as far as everything that it stood for, I had no idea um, even what the letters even stood for, the acronym. So it was just a pleasure to definitely experience in HBCU. Winston-Salem State was the first school that I went to. Unfortunately, there was a culture change there. Uh, Kermit Blunt was the original coach there, and then Connor Maynard, uh, who was a Quills head coach now at Alabama A&M, he came in there. He had a lot of success at Winston-Salem State. Uh, it just wasn't a good situation for me at the time, and I just felt like I needed to go elsewhere. Um, I ended up at North Carolina Central, which was a blessing in disguise for me. Uh, ended up being a three-year starter there. I don't like talking too much about myself um, as far as my career and everything, but ended up being a three-year starter there. After that, I didn't have any pro aspirations or anything like that. I wanted to get right into coaching. Something Coaching is something that I've always wanted to do. And I always say those five years were the best years of my life, from 2014 uh, to 2018. Those were the best years of my life. I um, ended up playing against Grambling in the Celebration Bowl uh, in 2016, I believe it was. They beat us 9-10, to heartbreaking loss in that game. David, I don't think you were there yet, but um, I'm sure Coach Fives talks about that game all the time. But, um, I ended up winning three MEAC championships when I was there, so we were very accomplished when I was there as a quarterbacks coach and a running backs coach there, and also was a graduate assistant my first two years there. So um, I've been in the HBCU ranks for a very long time as a player, um, as a coach, and then now as a scout. I think it's just a layer that a lot of people like to ignore, in a sense, and then a lot of people, they, you know, you discover Tariq Cohen or Darius Leonard or Javon Hargrave at the last minute when there's some really good players. I coached all against, I coached against every three of those guys. And they, I told everybody that they were special players at the time. And You guys know they're on this call. If you do your, you do your homework, none of these guys, even on this call, are going to be a surprise to you. So I think there's a lot of good players in the HBC ranks. It's just a matter of you doing your homework.
2: Well, Jordan, let me ask you, you talked about a little bit about your tenure at North Carolina Central and how many different ways you contributed to the program from both a player perspective and, and you said a grad assistant an assistant coach. Kind of talk about your what you learned there, because, I, I mean, I can, I can attest that you probably learned some of your biggest important life lessons there, grew up a lot while at North Carolina Central. So take me through that time at North Carolina Central and, and the important lessons you learned there.
3: Well, it definitely is fun. I would say that there's nothing like the HBCU experience unless you experience it firsthand, and everybody knows on this call exactly what i'm talking about there's no thing here in the band coming out the tunnel uh, smelling the fish plates on the sidelines and everything of that nature so you guys know exactly what i'm talking about with that but um i think the best the best thing about hbcu experience is just you learn how to utilize your resources and what i mean by that is nobody in the hbcu ranks has the fancy weight rooms you have to figure out some different ways around it um as far as what you need to do to gain weight or lose weight or whatever you need to do on the field, you have to do a little bit more to be notarized. And whenever you play in those big games, you just have to do whatever you need to do just because the only way you're really going to be recognized in the HBCU ranks is just putting up good numbers. That's all you can do for yourself. And you're not going to have these big showcase games, you know, like SEC or ACC. You're not going to play against those opponents week in and week out. But when you get when you get those opportunities against those guys, you have to, you have to show that you belong. And I use this example all the time. Darius Leonard had a game his senior season against Clemson. And he just put up ridiculous numbers in that game. And he showed everybody in the nation that he belonged in that game. And before you know it, he's getting the invitation to the senior bowl. And then he ends up being a second round pick. So for all of you guys that are on this call, whenever you get a chance to play those big time schools, just seize the moment, take advantage of your opportunity. And then the biggest thing is just off the field. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself as far as you're treating everybody the same, from your weight room uh, aspects, from you know the janitor that's in your building, just because from firsthand experience, these are the first questions that people are going to ask when scouts are able to come back into the building. They're not going to worry about who you are on the field. They can pop in the film and they're going to form, they're going to form their own assessments about you, but they want to figure out who you are as a person. They want to figure out if you can fit in that locker room. So the first thing I'm going to ask about Contrario Cole is that how does he treat the lunch ladies in the cab? That's something that I want to know. If you're not even treating those ladies or men in the cafeteria the same as you treat position coach in the film room, I'm not going to have any interest in you because how can I trust you to run cover two and get off the hash and take care of your half if you can't even treat or clean up after yourself in the cafeteria. So just little things like that, man, just make sure you're taking care of yourself and then you just treat everybody the same and you're just being respectful in everything that you do just because these scouts, once they're able to come back through the school, they already know who you are as a player. They know everything about you. They're just cross-checking to make sure that they have everything correct and they want to get to know you more as a person.
1: The, the line you brought up about um, the lunch ladies and stuff like that, that was something that my coaching staff at Rhode Island would bring up all the time, especially with the, the two, the three guys that ended up in the NFL right now. It was a reoccurring thing. So that's a, definitely a common thing that coaches like to use. And speaking of coaching, uh, Jordan, how early did you know that that was something you wanted to do? Did you figure that out in college or before that, that you wanted to become a coach?
3: Well, it's something I figured out in college. I took a ton of hits when I was playing quarterback. We had a young offensive line. So I just got it I got tired of taking those hits and I said, Man, screw this. I don't wanna play anymore. I just wanna I just wanna tell players what to do as opposed to taking those hits. So coaching is something that I always wanted to get into. When I say it was the, the best five years of my life, just because I wish I, I wish I knew half as what I did as a player as I learned as a coach, just because you see the game from a different lens. And when you're playing the game, you just see it strictly from a player. But the great thing about being a graduate assistant is that you're not limited to one position. You're over the entire operation. And that's what I was as an offensive graduate assistant. Um, You do a grunt of the work. I mean, you're in the office two to three in the morning, uh, and then you have to be back in there six, seven, or early in the morning. So just little stuff like that is some things that I appreciate. But the great thing about it is that now as a scout, I see the game from so many different lenses. I can see it now as a player. I can see it now as a coach. And then now as a scout, I see everything as a whole. So that's the great thing that I learned about coaching. I keep saying it was the best years of my life.
1: Ryan, you're muted. All right, Ryan's still muted. So I'll, I'll just take us to the next question. Um, your passion for evaluation, when did that begin? And when did you decide that you want to make that transition to more of scouting and also working in the media?
3: Yeah, so my last two years at Central in 2017 and 2018, I actually was the recruiting coordinator there. So that's really where I developed my love, initial love for scouting. And I've always been a person that enjoys like putting puzzle pieces together as far as a team, different personalities, um, and then different traits of just putting an entire team together. And, you know, being a part of a championship winning team, we won three conference championships when I was there. So I had a great example of just understanding what it took as far as putting different puzzle pieces together. And now with scouting, you're seeing so many of these different aspects now as far as traits about a player. But something that I've always took pride in is just the background of a player, just because I can go on YouTube and I can see David Moore pancaking somebody against Louisiana Monroe. I can go and see Quill Glass throwing a touchdown against Morehouse or Teron Mallard. I can see him catching a the, the touchdown pass against North Carolina. A&E. But I just enjoy the background stories. Why did you decide to play the game of football? Do you love the game of football? Um, How did you get interested in the game of football? And then some interesting backstories of what actually happened throughout your life or some trials and tribulations that you faced just because I just love learning players' background stories. That's really what makes me interested in prospects just because I'm going to form my own opinion about you. I can pop on the film, the coach's film, and see everything that you can do. But if you're a player that really cares about the game, that's something that I want to dig more into and just peel more layers back and just learn why exactly you love the game.
2: Uh, I, I, I'm so glad you brought up the fact that you dig into the backgrounds because that's one of my favorite things about Jordan Reed's work is how much he dives into the background and how much how transparent he makes that. Uh, and I know you're not going to like this because you don't like talking about your yourself uh, in high regard, as you mentioned a second ago. But I, just go through some of your favorite accomplishments so far since you've been in this, this industry uh, in your professional career so far.
3: Um, I mean, I, I make a draft guide every year. I think that's a huge accomplishment just because you guys know with the NFL Draft Bible just how much goes as far as the homework that goes into that from background information to making sure you have everything correct about that and then donating all the proceeds to charity. That's something that I've done every single year as well. So that's, that's a huge accomplishment of mine. Um, seeing players grow up and, and players that you love through the pre-draft process, I think that's another big accomplishment that I love to see. Seeing players like Tariq Cohen, Darius Leonard, Javon Hargrave go on to have success, especially those guys being HBCU players, means a lot more to me just because, I mean, seeing they got a lot of love during the pre-draft process, but there's always going to be a different look for players that come from that level for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people didn't trust their pre-draft evaluations on on some of those guys. And, I mean, talent is talent at the end of the day. You have to just try to differentiate and separate some guys from the competition that they're playing and just evaluate the traits that they're showing. I think that's the sign of a special scout.
0: And Jordan, hopefully, I have—I don't have volume.
1: Awesome. We can hear you, though. Can you hear me. Yes.
0: Yeah. Sir. Okay. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad to be back. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, technical difficulties. We're living in a technology world. That you need it right now, too. <laughs> so that makes it extra difficult. Uh, Jordan, wanted to kind of end you off on this one because I know you know you got a boogie real soon here, but it, these guys obviously are in a position similar to you right you you came from a a program in the HBCU realm they are student athletes that are working through and they're going to be taking that next step soon to their professional career whatever that profession is i think obviously we have a very talented panel so some professional aspects in in the nfl industry or um any other professional league is probably in their future but for you if you can leave these guys with some type of advice to them as a professional as a man as a person What is something that maybe you would really like to just emphasize for them to be successful
4: moving forward?
3: That's a good question, and I'm glad you asked. Um, The biggest thing I would say is just stay the course. What I mean by stay the course is that some of you guys are going to be playing this spring. Uh, Some of you are going to be playing next fall, whatever you decide to do. Um, As far as declaring for the draft or even entering the draft, I don't know what any of you guys' future plans are. But, you know, David, there's some talk of you playing in the senior bowl. Go have fun and just do what you do, man. Do what you do this year if you get the moment. Just try to show out. If any of you guys get to play in any other All-Star game or even this year, if you're playing six, seven, eight games, it doesn't matter. Just seize the opportunity. That's the biggest thing that I can tell you. It doesn't matter if you're playing a Division II team or if you're playing the FBS team. Just seize the moment and take advantage of the opportunity just because, and I told players this every time I coach them, is that you're one game closest to the last game of your career every time you step on the field. I tell everybody that, and it doesn't hit you until you're walking out with Mommy and Dad during your senior season or during senior night. That's the only time it really hits you. So just take advantage of everything that you're doing and just don't try to take – or excuse me, try to take advantage of everything that you do and just don't take things for granted, especially as an HBCU player. Your margin of error is this big, especially with scouts. You're not a player from Alabama. You're not a player from Clemson. Those guys, just because of the conference and the competition that they're playing, they're going to naturally give them more chances just because of where they're coming from. But with you being an FCS player – you're not – your margin for error is going to be slimmer, especially coming into training camp. If some of you guys are fortunate enough to get drafted or even as an undrafted guy, your margin of error is going to be small. But you've already been a part of those experiences. Just because you're at HBCU, you've already had to get it out the mud. You guys know what that saying means. So um, I wish the best of luck to all of you guys. I followed all you guys on Twitter as well. I'm going to make sure to stay in contact with all of you as well. I'm going to do my best to help all of you. During your pre-draft process, um, I've already evaluated all of you guys' film, and I think all of you are big-time players that have a chance on the next level. But, man, just make sure to stay the course on and off the field. Don't get the big head. That's the big thing, especially being a part of the pre-draft process as well. Just keep that same hunger that you had as a skinny freshman and just keep that that same exact hunger now. So that's the biggest thing that I can tell you. Tell you stay the course, stay humble, and just take advantage of the opportunity every time that you step on the grass.
0: And we we certainly appreciate Mr. Jordan Reed from the Draft Network again joining us, Jordan. If you would just want to leave the leave the folks with where they can find your work, I, I know you have a great podcast that I listen to frequently. Mm-hmm. So uh, social media following, where's the best spots to find your work?
3: So you can find me on Twitter at jreedNFL. It's at a at j r e i d NFL. I'm pretty frequent on there for the most part. Um, I share thoughts all the time. Uh, I make sure to give some guys love that I'm evaluating as well. So. Um, I follow, I believe, everybody, uh, all the players on this chat already. I just follow all you guys in here. So just make sure to stay in contact with me. I shoot all of y'all a DM as well. You can find my podcast, also the Read Option podcast. That's REID as well. So um, I'm going to stay on here a little bit longer. I got a little bit more time. So um, I'll make sure to let you know when I do exit out. But I appreciate all you guys on this chat, man. It's a pleasure. Um, the scouting community is, is very small. So it's really good seeing you guys on here as well. If you guys ever need help from me, uh, my DMs are open. My email is attached to my Twitter account as well. So don't be scared to reach out.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jordan. So, with that, as Jordan uh, is going to stay with us for a little bit longer until daddy duties call on him, uh, yeah. we're going to start to introduce the panel here. Uh, we have four of the five in. Hopefully, we get the fifth in at some point tonight. But I'm going to have Mr. Joe DeLeon introduce the first member of our panel for tonight.
1: So, Quinterio, we're going to start with you, defensive back from Alcorn State. Just going to give a brief background, and then we got a couple questions for you, Quinterio. Playmaker on the back end over the last two years for Alcorn, safety Quinterio <laughs> Cole has recorded 162 tackles, eight interceptions on route to two HBCU All-American selections, and SWAC All-Conference First Team honoree in 2019. The East Mississippi native, is one of the most outstanding defensive backs on the entire FCS level. I think we can all agree on that last point there. So, Quinterio, first question we got for you. For people who haven't seen you play, what type of safety are you? How would you describe your style of play and maybe some of your strengths? Uh,
5: I, I say I'm very versatile. I mean, I can cover. I can come down the box. I'm very physical. I mean, and I have the IQ. And um, I'm mainly a playmaker with – all the ability, basically. So that's how I describe myself.
0: And Quintero is not a not a, a hard man to miss on the field. He is six foot three, one hundred ninety pounds listed, number thirty two, big safety. Like he said, uh, you you can you. It's very easy to find where Mr. Quintero call is. Quintero, I want to talk about Alcorn State a little bit, though. I want to highlight the school. Talk to me a little bit. We talked about you know um, you coming out of high school there a little bit, East Mississippi, I believe, if I am correct. What was it about Alcorn State in general that really stuck out to you and made them the best fit overall for you?
5: Um, I'll start by uh, first I came out of uh, East High School out of Memphis, Tennessee. So, um, but um, actually my recruiting process with Alcorn, um, I wasn't a big uh, guy. I wasn't a big recruiter, uh, highly recruited in high school. So when Alcorn was one of the first SWAC schools that came to me and – I ended find, up finding out I had family family history at this school. I had family members. My dad played here, and tri- he transferred. But Alcorn was the winning program. When I came on my visit, I fell in love with the school, and I just knew it was going to be the right fit. Like, uh, the vibe I got from the team, the older guys, the coaches, like, they, you know, when you go on all your visits, they all want to welcome you. And everybody say you feel like a family, but Alcorn just stood out, and I just knew it was the right fit.
2: Now, obviously, we have to address the off season that we had, uh, and just how much of a dagger that put into things. And so, with the madness of this off season, how do you feel you were able to navigate it to the best of your ability and work on your game?
5: Um, I was still able to train. I have a person, like a personal private trainer, he have his own facilities and things. But uh, you know, we have because of the COVID, we had to social distance a lot. And um, the main focus, I feel like during this pandemic you should it, it helped me like my biggest focus was my the mental the mental part like during this during this pandemic it helped me get my mental right and cuz the physical the physical ability going to be there but i feel like this during this quarantine and pandemic and everything like i had to focus more about my on my mental and become more mental, mentally focused
2: love that Go ahead,
0: Ryan. I was just going to say, Anchor, Tara, we thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get back to you in a couple questions in a little bit. Uh, awesome. Alex has the next member of our panel that we're extremely excited about. He, uh, like I, I was joking with him before the uh, before the seminar start, that he can't get rid of me. I think this is our third time together. So Alex, if you want to intro the next guest. Yeah,
2: and just to give uh, a nice transition, Mr. Quinterio and Mr. Aquil will meet week one if they both decide to play in the spring. So uh, one of the more talented passers on the FCS level, Alabama A&M quarterback Aquil Glass, already holds several program records heading into 2020, including career touchdown passes with 57 and single-season passing yards uh, with about 3,600 of those. Fresh off a second-team All-SWAC selection in 2019, the team captain, Glass, has even higher expectations heading into his senior campaign. Uh, appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, how are you doing, man? Doing good.
6: Appreciate you for having me. You know, it's an honor to be here. Uh, anything I can do to help you guys out, you know, I'm always here.
2: Awesome, man. Well, uh, just like we do with uh, Quinterio, just talk about your time at Alabama A&M. Uh, how, how was, you know, why was Alabama A&M the, the, the place for you?
6: You know, like Ontario said, you just go to those places and you know it's the right fit. Like, you go on all your visits, you take all these, see all these campuses, you know, see a different type of atmosphere they have. And, uh, you know, you just, you, you get that feeling when you find the right one. And I had that feeling when I visited A&M and I have a little bit back since, you know. Um, we weren't the, the most storied or um, historic program in the SWAT as far as, like, Championships and stuff goes, but we started to uh, progress and change that over the years, and I think that uh, that's one of my my personal like best accomplishment in my eyes is just changing the culture here. But um, just continuing to do that, and you know, overall, it's been a great time.
1: So, being a starting quarterback at the Division One level is certainly not an easy feat to do. What are some of the challenges you you deal with being a starting quarterback, and then also what are some of your favorite parts of being able to lead your, your team in your offense?
6: Uh, I would have to say the hardest part is being the, being a scapegoat for everything that happens wrong. You know, uh, if the O line's not prepared, if the running backs are running slow, or if, if the receivers running routes wrong, you know, it all comes down on me. But that's also one of the best parts that I enjoy, um, just being able to have that impact on a, a group of young men that all want the same goal. And uh, not only that, but just being able to go out there and do what I love. Like, I've been doing this since I was young and it was a dream of mine to get here. And now I'm here and playing the best of my ability. And Aquil, I-,
0: I wanted to ask you, because we-, we mentioned, you know, obviously the challenges of the offseason. I talked to you a little bit about this last time we spoke, because obviously you were going through it very in- very intensely at that point. But now that everything has settled a little bit, I know things have getting pushed this spring. What, what has it been like from a team perspective on a day-to-day basis? Have you guys gotten back together yet? Is there a plan of, of getting back together and starting practice up again? Is that been is something that you've already been doing?
6: So uh, with us, the coaches have staff called off any practices, which was kind of a disappointment to me. But um, we had started workouts last week. So we've been doing that. Everybody's been back together. You know, it's been, a, it's been a great experience to be able to just get back this thing that we weren't sure that we were that we we're gonna get back, but uh this is about making sure every guy understands that this was taken away from us at one point and we have to just make the most of every opportunity that we have to not only be like on campus but be together and be, be a football team.
0: Absolutely, and Aquil, thank you again so much for being on with us. Again, we really appreciate it so much and uh, we'll we'll definitely be throwing some more questions at you in a couple minutes here. I want to introduce the next member of the panel here i got mr teron mallard who's a tight end out of bethune cookman all SWAC, i'm sorry All swack, all Miac second team selection this past season in 2019 teron is one of the most physically impressive tight ends you're going to find in all of college football listed at six foot six 250 pounds teron boasts a next level frame and athleticism that will have nfl evaluators very intrigued come draft season after this season teron First for us, man, before I get into my first question again, we really appreciate you coming on tonight, man. We've gotten a little inside look into some background information and uh, just really appreciate you taking some time with us today.
7: Thank you, guys.
0: I wanted to start you out, Tyrone, if I may. I saw you had um, a little bit of interesting backstory. I saw uh, maybe maybe you spent some time in Florida, North Carolina growing up, and then you had a brief stop at Tyler Junior College. Can you just take us through your journey briefly and how you have ended up here at Bethune-Cookman
7: now. Originally from New Bern, North Carolina, I moved here to Florida, um, went back to North Carolina to play my senior year of football for my grandfather, my great-grandfather, the one who raised me. Um, wasn't I was highly recruited by my uh, SAT scores. I ended up being a late qualifier, so I, I had made it to Tyler Jr. College. I was sent there by Florida. Uh, coach Greg Nord, the tight end coach, set that up. I was supposed to do a semester there, got hurt, Um, got hurt the first week. Well, first day, actually, broke my foot and um, went through there. Didn't have to play a down. I was hurt for the rest of the season, and uh, Bethune-Cookman offered. uh, Actually, Alcorn was my first offer, and um, then Bethune-Cookman offered. And uh, just being from Orlando and Daytona, being an hour and 30 minutes away, I knew that was where I wanted to go. Also, uh, the schedule, playing Miami, playing FAU, I knew we would get the chance to play those big games. And that's where I felt like I should have been uh, from the very start. So I wanted that opportunity.
3: Well,
2: now let's talk a little bit more about you on the field. Obviously, you play a variety of roles in that offense, whether it's in line, on the move, out wide, in the slot. What would you say is your favorite role to play in that offense? And which one do you think translates best to the next level for you?
7: Uh, I love being in the hip, um, being being able to motion from side to side and, and being back there with the quarterback, the running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first two years, when um, Aquivius got hurt, I was playing with a young quarterback that couldn't really, that didn't really know the signals and the calls and just being able to be right there and, and, and correct him like, no, nah, it's this, it's not 32, it's 42 and like stuff like that. And just being able to see the defense because I also played quarterback in high school and so when you're right back, when you're back there, you'll be able to see everything. The game's a lot slower. You see the safeties rolling. And you can you can tell everything. You can see the blitz come in and the holes to sit in in the defense when you're running a route.
1: So every player going into the offseason always has something that they, they plan on working on. And this currently extended off season has been obviously bad because you guys don't get to play, but you have extra time to prepare. What are some of the things that right now when you're training and you're working out or if you're, able to get on the field, what are some of the things that you're focusing on improving?
7: Being explosive and route running. uh, Many don't know that I was hurt for two years. The the two years I was uh, making all conference and all those things, I was was hurt. I was battling a hip injury. I just had surgery in January. So uh, just being able to get in and out of cuts and breaks uh, has really helped me this off-season. A lot of people think corona was bad, but it was actually one of the best things that happened to me.
2: Awesome, Ron, man.
0: Ron, can you um before we move on to the next one, can you can you fill us in on what the um what the the uh, hip injury was specifically? Was it like a labrum repair?
7: Yes, a labrum repair. In my
0: Got heart. it. Well, those stink, man. I, I I've had both labrums in my shoulders torn. That is not fun. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to hear it. it. It sounds it sounds like the uh, recovery is going pretty well for you, though.
7: Yes, sir, it is.
2: Absolutely. All right. Ne- uh, next on our panel, David Moore. Offensive guard from Grambling State. Jordan talked about it a little bit, talking about the senior bowl watch list. Uh, From McClellan High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, all-state selection during your senior year. Uh, David Moore has developed into a dominant force at offensive guard for Grambling State. Six-foot-three, 320-pounder, routinely driving opposing defensive linemen into the second and third levels of the defense. I got to say, I don't know if it was the in-state play but the Louisiana Tech tape for Mr. Moore was fun to watch routinely put guys on the turf Uh, appreciate you coming on with us Uh, how you doing man
4: I'm doing good I'm doing good how y'all doing
2: doing well man Uh, so coming out of McClellan what was it about grambling uh, that stood out for you like we've been asking the other guys oh you're muted
4: To be honest, um, I didn't start back playing football until my junior year of high school, so, um, yeah, my friends they had to get me out there to get on the field, you know, for the first, uh, my freshman year, my sophomore year, I just, I just didn't want to do it at first. I don't know what it was, you know, I was just laying back, you know, I always stay home, play the game. That's the kind of guy I was, but um. I was like, "Why not?" You know, it's an opportunity of a, you know a lifetime if I you know stay the course, like Reed said. You um, know, I played my two years, and coming out, I was ineligible. Coming out, I was ineligible. So, Grambling, I was on the office. Coach Dooley, the you know head coach at Prairie View, he came home. He came to my home, so he gave me the family vibe when it came to that. So that's, that was. My, really my main decision when it came to Granville.
1: So a a similar question I I asked the Tehran. This has obviously been a a very difficult off season, but there have been various blessings in disguise with being able to have this extra period of of preparation. How did you go about maybe navigating some of those early uh, issues of not maybe being able to get into a gym or or find places to work out? And, And what are some of the things that you're focusing on on improving during this off season too?
4: Well, for me, I kind of, for me, even though the gyms were open, I had a homeboy. Um, he's a boxer, so me, I was in the boxing gym. Um, they was in training camp, so I was really getting some work in, so it was kind of cool just to have that kind of experience. So I wasn't out of shape. I was getting some work in, and that was cool. But um, when it comes to improvements, um Basically probably lower body, bending, stand low, explosive, you know, everything you need is offensive linemen. Legs, hey, legs, hey, everything. So <laughs> I mean, really.
0: Love it, David. Getting those getting those hands quick, getting those feet quicker. I love it, man. I love <laughs> so, it, I love it. I wanted to ask about obviously in NFL draft circles. You're getting a lot of talk. A lot of people are are mentioning your name. You heard uh, Jordan Reed talk about you a little bit earlier. I know Jim Nagy, obviously, with the Senior Bowl list and him tweeting you out over the summer as a guy to kind of keep a close eye on. Question is for you, what is it it like and what type of blessing is it for guys in that status, those people that have been in the industry for a long time to hear that they have such a high opinion on your game overall?
4: To be honest, the feeling is still surreal. Like, I, like it's a blessing. Like, I'm really grateful to be in this situation. You know, um, it's a once a lifetime opportunity, and I'm just grateful to be in this position. You know, with everything that's happened. You know, COVID, and just to be mentioned by everybody is it's, it's an honor, and I'm just blessed.
0: Absolutely, and we have uh, Mr. John Main Martin running back from North Carolina a t We're hoping that will pop in a couple minutes ago. He just texted me, so I think we should be expecting him before he gets on here. Let's take you guys into some extra questions. We have some questions in the chat. I'm going to invite someone to come off in a second. Before we begin, I want to kind of just kick this around the horn to you all real quick. We talked about the significance of playing an HBCU program. Can each of you, and it doesn't matter who begins here, just talk about, was was that something that went into your decision when you were coming out of high school? Or is that something that you have really learned throughout your college career now, just the historical significance and what it means to represent a program of that status?
7: I'll start it. Uh, it's something that I did not have any, uh, any idea about. I, I was stuck on the University of Florida, Auburn, like all the big schools, but now that I'm here, I would not regret anything that I've done. Um, it's taught me a lot about my history. It's made me uh, want to learn more of my history. It's actually helped me in the classroom to become more of a student. Uh, now I'm on my working on my second degree. I should have my master's in the summer of this year. So, uh, Well, summer of next year. It's, it's just, it's really helped me. It's grown me as a man and taught me a lot of life lessons. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Uh, maybe, Aquil, do we want to go to you next? and We'll just go around.
6: Those things that I don't think any high school is really not normally aware of, but I'm going to think about it at the time. You know, um, we're all so enamored by the big schools and whatnot, but. Um, I think that it's something that I've learned to appreciate, and not only like the people that's come before me, but the people that are here now that are going to shape the future of our country. You know, they, they come from HBCUs, so I think it's important, and uh, it just it means the world to me after going through and experiencing it. You know, you you truly learn to love it more.
0: Absolutely, Guiterio. If we can go to you next, we love your perspective.
5: Um. My perspective is uh, kind of similar to the other guys say, saying, like, um, in high school, everybody wanted to dream of going to all the big schools, play SEC, and all, until it until it don't work out, and, um, and you actually become. When I when I came to campus, and you know, up coming to HBCU, I mean, I, I I appreciated everything. I mean, I try. My goal was to to do do what I got to do. Honestly, I felt like I still, I'm still, I was still going to have the same opportunity. I just have to go extra hard. So, I mean, it was, it was, it's a nice thing coming to a, attending the HBCU. I mean, you learn more about your tradition, your culture, and, um, like they said, it's nothing I ever regret. I mean, I would not want to make history nowhere other than the HBCU with the perspective I have now.
0: Absolutely, indeed. <laughs>
4: Right, can you repeat the question one more time for me?
0: Sure, yeah, just the, the significance of an HBCU program, being able to to um, to represent whether it was something that you were aware of coming out of high school, if it went into your decision at all, or if it's something that now that you look back on it, just your experiences of how important it is to represent a program of that status.
4: Okay, yeah, coming out of high school, just like um, Jordan Lee said, I didn't know what HBCU was um, so when Gramlin came to me, I was like, who is Grambling?" So it was like, you know, that. And, uh, you know, for me, being in Arkansas, i always been Arkansas Razorbacks for me. But, um, you know, when that option went away, I sat down with my people and I really, um, went over the decision with Grambling, And I, I'm grateful for it. Like, I think Grambling is the best HBCU in the nation, you know. Just to have that, that G, just to wear that G it takes it takes a lot to wear that G. Not a lot of people get to wear that G and you know, if you don't wear that G, you better wear it with pride and you better do what you gotta do. So with that being said, um I'm very grateful for Grambling and put me in an opportunity, you know, to do what I gotta do to succeed. So Yes sir. I love it,
0: man. I love it. And I saw, I saw the other guys uh, smile, start smiling when you said Granville was the best HPC. <laughs> that was so love it. Uh, we're going to start to go, we're, we're going to kind of mold in both the uh, the uh, viewer questions and the questions that we also have um, left for the, the show. So let's go um, to Jimmy here. Jimmy had a question. I believe his first question was for the full panel about Coach Prime coming in. So Jimmy, if you want to come off, we'd love to hear
8: your question. Well, I mean, I think the, the question's kind of, you know, self-explanatory. I mean, you've got this big name coming into the fold. I mean, really putting the, the mark really on the HBCU where you have, you know, big-time players that are probably going to be coming into the HBCU now because, hey, dude, I, I get to be coached by, like, by my childhood hero. Uh, so, I mean, just kind of throwing that to you guys, like, how is that – how do you feel about, like, Coach Prime, like, really, you know – coming into that fold, just, I mean, what, I mean, obviously, it means a lot. So what do, what do you guys think?
5: Uh, I'll speak first. Uh, I mean, I love it. I mean, I feel like it's going to bring more attention to the HBCU games. I mean, and it's, I feel like HBCU to swag and everybody else, we're on a uprise. Everything is about the, it's, well, what we want it to be is on the way and I mean, I love when I found out he got the job at Jackson State. I was glad. I mean, I was glad for Jackson State, and I also for like the whole conference. So I mean, that's yeah. Ready for the conference. Um, uh, we'll see if he can turn the program around, but.
6: Um, it's great for the conference, you know, great for exposure, you know, just building on everything that uh that that Swag is doing, not only right now, but for the future, you know. It's a, it's a growing brand, you know. It's going to be huge, I would say, in the next three to five years.
2: Now, I'm, I'm glad uh, Jimmy brought that up because that's a big talking point right now. Uh, then you also have the college basketball, Mikey Williams, along with some other big-time recruits, starting to talk about the HBCU. Hey, we can take our talents there. Uh, I'm gonna change course. I'm gonna go straight to Quinterio here, and uh, just kind of very simple. You know, what's what's the most difficult part for you about being a student-athlete at the Division One level overall?
5: Um, I would say, um, mainly just staying focused. I mean, at a at a, being at HBCU, you have more freedom, and uh, you you just gotta be self-determined and self. You gotta be Real focus. I mean, cause there's distractions everywhere, and I feel like the hardest part of being a student athlete is just being focused and responsible. Considering, I mean, you gotta get your great. You gotta you gotta take care of your business in the class and off the field. So the main the main part you need you gotta focus on is being focused, basically.
0: And then going into uh, another another um, viewer question, we have Derek Davis, who is in the chat. Derek, if you would come off, he has a question for David Moore specifically. Hello, everyone. Uh, glad to be on. Glad to be here uh, tonight. I actually uh, am from uh, Arcadia, Louisiana, so I attended
5: Gremlin State as well. So. Uh, big, big up, Mr. Moore. I'm a Gremlin alum, so I know all about the, uh, about Gremlin State
0: University. I had a great time there. So, um, and love HBCU football. So, for for Mr. Moore, uh, the question is, we're sitting around, how how the, the draft stock going? What are you,
1: if you can, if you can talk about it as far as what are you hearing regards to draft stock?
4: Um, I'm not sure, it's kind of a toss up. I hear this, I hear a lot of things to be honest. You know, I feel like I won't know exactly where I, I'm kind of at until like later on, you know, in the process because you know, it's still like a good four to five months until like you know, everything is really settled down. So, um, I've been hearing a lot of good things, though. I can say that, you know, I can't be mad at it, but. I don't really know it, you know, at the end of the day when it comes to, to draft stock. Okay.
1: So I'm going to take us through a, another one of our, our questions. Oh, Aquil just sat right back down. So these are a little bit more fun. They're a little bit more loose. With all the free time that you might have had in, in quarantine, Aquil, are there any hobbies that you picked up with uh, with all that extra free time?
6: Yeah, it was a couple. Um, honestly, went the phases, like, first it was just restoring and reselling shoes. And then they went into reselling clothes and whatnot. And uh, I picked up painting a little bit, you know, just awesome board stuff. But besides that, nothing really too crazy. You know, just a couple of things to keep me focused.
1: When you say painting, was it like, do you mean like watercolors, like that kind of stuff? Or, or like painting uh, for people's houses and stuff like that? Like what kind of painting yeah, were you doing?
6: And I bought a couple of easels. And um, What's called uh, canvases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my brother has some paints, so um, one day just bored, tried it out. Pretty relaxing.
0: Nice. I was about to say, Quill, if you were painting houses, you can come over to my house. We need a little. <laughs> on there, but it's good to know. I want to. Uh, <laughs> we have a question in the chat. Um, Mr. Bill Carroll is with us, I believe, still. He had a question for Quinterio Cole. If he could come off, please. Maybe he's still with us. Alright, maybe he's not. Alright, so I will I will ask a question for him. Uh, Quintero, he was asking. Um, what? It, so it's, it's an anticipation question at safety, I guess, being reactionary versus anticipatory, right? He's asking, what have you done to try to continue to improve your ability to anticipate throws in front of you? And I guess just thinking about, you know, ability to really understand where they're trying to manipulate in zone coverage.
5: Oh, um, I've – oh, this break I've done a lot of film study. I became very more advanced in knowing how offenses and how quarterbacks see things. So I've been – I've been l- focused on a lot on uh, film study. So – and uh, I feel like that's going to help me play faster this year. So I feel like I'm I'm very prepared, more prepared than I was last year. So –
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Bill, for that question. Guterio, thank you so much for your answer. We want to move on. i uh, going to go to Tehran here. Uh, who is the best tight end currently in the NFL? Who's a guy – I feel like every – this offseason, right, every day I was seeing Kelsey or Kittle, Kelsey or Kittle. In your opinion, who's the best one? And maybe if you want to throw in a tight end, that might be a little underrated as well.
7: Kelsey. Kelsey's the best. And uh, I have to say the – Underrated tight end would be Eric Ebron. Okay. I like it. I like
0: like that one. I like that one, too. He's a freak. want to move on to Jimmy has another question in the chat for Mr. Aquil Glass.
8: I was just going to ask you, Aquil, um, you know, you definitely have, you know, great uh, size and uh, arm talent, um, you know, that I know a lot of pros really like. um, But what's going to be, like, the the most challenging thing for you uh, transitioning to the pros?
6: I it would have to be just the thing that everybody might struggle with the second. It's the speed of the game, you know. You're, you're, not, just going from, you're not just going up against a team full of um, maybe a couple like superstars and whatnot. Every team, you know, every every person on that team is a, is a ball player. So just to adjust to the speed and because I know that when that happens, you know, the mental aspect and the physical aspect of the game, it's not a problem.
1: So next question we got here for for David. What are some of your biggest improvements that you've noticed over the last couple of years in your game? Like what are some of the things that you feel you've gotten the strongest in since getting to Grambling?
4: I would say my football my football IQ um has grown very really well. Like the game comes very slow now. Like when I'm out there, twists, all type of things, is like it's just coming slow. At the end of the day, it's just coming slow. But um That's really it, really, my football IQ. Um, One of the other things I would say for me, um, discipline. Um, You know, not having, you know, certain things, like the bigger colleges, um, like meal prep wise, you know, I had to sit down and really take a look in the mirror and decide if you really want to pursue this career, then you need to make a couple of sacrifices. And I made a big adjustment. Last year yeah last year, my junior year um, in the summer, I dropped about 30 to 40 pounds um, just on my own using my own resources um, just to get my body right and I seen the effects, you know just trusting the process and continuing to grind at the end of the day. and you know for that that was kind of huge.
0: We had a question for Mr. Bill Carroll again in the chat. I believe he's not with us anymore. So this one's uh, Aquil, We're going back to you, even though you just answered. I really like this question. Uh, What's your favorite third and eight? Have to get it passing concept to run. Obviously, I'm I'm sure that's very dependent on what coverage you're looking at, what the defense is giving you. But what if third and eight? It's money time. I need to extend the drive. What's the passing concept you're going to run out there? And I apologize um, for defensive players in the building that might uh, catch on to that a little later on.
6: <laughs> but um, like you said, it's very dependent on who we're playing that week and well, what, what types of coverage they like to run. You know, uh, I would say to third and eight against man. I'd have to go with just slants. You know, uh, if they're bringing interior pressure, slants are a great way to just alleviate that and you know numb the rush almost. But uh. If they're running more zone type plays, I'll have to go. That's uh, a play that we have called uh, see, Congo. Um, I, I don't want to go too far into the depth. Football. I got you. I got you.
0: Quinterio's got his little petted paper out, man. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. No. Uh, well, i got a couple more for you, but I actually want to go to Quinterio. We're going to skip over um, the question that I wanted to ask originally. Alex, if you want to um, give the question for Quinterio.
2: Yeah, I would just wanted to ask you, Quintero, uh, whether it's at the safety position or elsewhere. Who are some of your favorite players to watch at the NFL level currently?
5: Um, is in the my favorite safety in the NFL right now currently is uh, Kevin Byard. Uh, I just I just like his play style. He' big time playmaker.
0: Like, Tennessee boy, too.
5: Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite safeties actually in the game right now.
0: Oh, I like I that. Yep, that's actually, that's a great one. Uh, we're going to skip over a couple. Of, we had a, like a quill, a quill, a quill, back to back to back in the, uh, in the chat here. So let's go to Jimmy if you want to come off and ask your question for David Moore.
8: I think uh, the other Dave had a similar question, so I didn't mean to steal his thunder. So um, uh, basically it kind of uh, went along the, this line, and that is, um, you know, what would you say, uh, David Moore, what would you say is like uh, – your your best attribute, like the best part that you bring to the table. You kind of answered that a little bit earlier um, in in regards to, you know, maybe your IQ and such. Um, But, um, I mean, I guess just to kind of, uh, you know, extend upon that a little bit, is there a player in the league that maybe you would, uh, I don't know, I know some people don't like comps, but, I mean, is there a player that you compare yourself to or maybe aspire to be? Uh, So uh, how would you answer that?
4: answer your first question. Um I would say just being a, a freakish athlete um when it comes to that and um it's a couple of players in the league that I kind of can see the similarity just because of my height and the size. Um Shaq Mason as one guy I watched for him Um of course Queen Nelson. Um and also uh, Rodney Hudson. So yeah, those, I try to take those three guys and just watch the tape and see some of their habits and techniques and just, you know, pick, pick what they have um, from film and try to, you know, interpret it into my game.
1: Dave, hey, I got another question for you. I think everyone in here can agree that's played the game of football. We all have weird pregame rituals we do. Is there something that you do before a game that, Helps you get locked in, juiced up, something like that?
4: To be honest, I'd be laid back, chill before a game. Because it's like, I don't know, I don't get nervous. I don't, my adrenaline don't rush. It's just, I just be calm and collected. I might play some music and that's about it, but um, no, I just, I go out and I just try to ball <laughs> at the end of the day, yes sir.
2: Teron, we haven't con- gone to you in a minute, but I want to hear from you. Uh, we saw the news today, Le'Veon Bell, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, do you think that's enough for them to go back to back? Who do you think is going to be the Super Bowl champions when it's all said and done this year?
7: Rooting for Cam, Cam Newton. Uh, I'm not a Patriots guy at all, but <laughs> just his story. Um, being the type of player he is to come in and take under a million dollars, like on a contract, I'm just rooting for him. But yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think they was going without Le'Veon Bell. But I'm rooting for Cam.
0: We had um, Nick in the chat, had a question for Mr. Aquil Glass. Nick, if you can come off and
1: ask your
8: question. <clears throat> All right. So, kind of a real general type of
1: question, but like, Aquil, like, what's one thing you're kind of hoping to get done this season, or
6: what's like one thing you want to accomplish? Maybe to. You know, it's one thing that not only really eluded me through my career, but eluded our university for quite a while in 2006 was the last time we won. So, uh, now they won the SWAT Championship, but also the Celebration Bowl. Um, those are two big things to me that I have yet to accomplish and I really look
0: forward to. Aquil, I'm going to stick with you for a second because I need to mention this because I have to say Any Given Sunday was one of my favorite movies growing up, you know, the, the speech with Al Pacino. And obviously your coach, Connell Mayner was the throwing part of Jamie Foxx playing Willie Beeman in that movie for anybody that didn't know. Uh, not so much about that, but can you just talk to the culture that Coach Maynard has built built around the A&M program and just what it's like to play for him and his staff?
6: He's an amazing coach, you know. He's got so many different experiences, so many different stories, uh, so many different lessons that you can learn from him uh, on any given day. Um, he's created just a culture of um, winning and doing what you're supposed to do, you know. Um, as long as we're doing our jobs and doing what we need to do, then we're going to have fun. But if that's not the case, then, you know, there's, there's repercussions for actions. But um, it's not like just been the football team, you know, he's brought a new energy to the whole university because, as most of us know, that the football team on campus usually um, brings in the most revenue to the, to the school. Um, it brings in just the most attention to those schools. And I think the way he came in and changed the culture that quick is just amazing. You know, he's a great guy. I love playing for him.
0: You ever have any throw offs against Coach Maynard? Can you still spin it a little bit?
6: Oh, yeah. Um, every Friday, you know, they're on a the walkthrough day. We have a quarterback challenge. And basically, it's just like a set list of throws that we have to make in between certain, like, say, for instance, the dig, we have to hit it in between the, the numbers and the hash. And if we hit them on the chest right here, it's uh, three points or something. If we get them anywhere else, it's one point. But, um, Last season, unfortunately, he had a a couple of shoulder problems, so he wasn't able to throw. But my sophomore season, um, he was out there every week, different jersey, whether it be his Arena Bowl jersey, uh, his his Willie Beeman jersey from the movie. He would come out there every week fired up because that was his time to shine. But he can definitely still spin it. I
0: love it. I love it, man. Uh, Mr. Jordan Reed has stayed with us this whole time. Jordan, if you want to come off, he has a few questions for you guys, if you may.
3: Yeah, so my first one was for Tehran. Tehran, man, we played Bethune every year I was there and I swear you guys have more uniform combinations than Oregon. So how many <laughs> uniform combinations do y'all have? Oh, I always wanted to know that. Man,
7: it's it's a Thursday thing. Um we try to put as many crazy colors together as possible. I've been lucky enough to uh in the position to help. It's supposed to be a senior thing, but <laughs> I try to put my input in there because of the role I have on the team. So uh, I would, I would have to say we have like well over fifteen, wow. just from like the wow. different helmets. We we have at least uh, eight helmets, and um, yeah, it's it's crazy. And then like some some certain sponsors like just like we had a new uniform made for a, a reunion, a class of eighty five or something like that. <laughs> it, it just be coming out of nowhere.
3: Wow, and then uh, my next question was for Quinterio. So Quinterio, our rival was obviously A and T. Like y'all got to beat them eventually, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, man. I feel like I feel like this <laughs> hey, like third time to be the tournament right here. That's that's the goal. That's the goal. That's my main goal. It's my last year, so I definitely definitely want to get
3: back and finish finish the unfinished business. Right, but the main question I did want to ask you, Quinterio, was that. I think something that I noticed really on your film is that you're a ball hawk. I think that's something that is a big part of your game. I think you have nine interceptions in your career. So just talk a little bit about that, just because I think the difference between, or how I differentiate good to great defensive backs are the ones that take the ball away and get the ball in the back, back in the possession of their offense. And I think that's something that you do since you were a freshman. So when that ball is in the air, just just talk about your abilities to take the ball away and just what goes through your head when it's in the air.
5: I mean, it goes back to, like, uh, I've been playing ball for a long time. I actually, like, in high school, I actually was play receiver also. And uh, that was always one of my great abilities is to go up and get the ball out the air and not just wait on it to come down. And um, I feel like, as I mean, that's the most important thing on the field, the ball. So, you know, as a defensive player, you always want to get the ball. And once it's in the air, I'm in the... Radius of the ball, I want to get it. So it just, it's just one a goal
3: to, to have when you when you a DB, you want to take the ball away. Absolutely. And then, sorry guys, my last one is for you, David. This will be my last one. So I think something that a lot of scouts are going to see from you is I think you've only played left guard so far in your career, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're going to want to see you play right guard and center. So have you ever snapped before? That's something that I did want to know. And it's something that you've ever, like, practiced before as far as playing center. Did Coach Fives ever, like, put you there in practice or something like that? Uh,
4: Yes, sir. I have snapped before and I have dated a couple of times
3: at practice. Okay, good deal. That's what I need to know. Appreciate it. Yes, sir.
0: Thank you you so much, Jordan. Uh, I kind of thought maybe that answer was coming there, David, because you mentioned Rodney Hudson, who obviously has played guard and center throughout his career. So I love that one. Only a couple questions left here. Um. Thank you all for, for giving us the time tonight. I really appreciate it. We have Corey in the chat. Uh, I think Dave a- asked a question about David Moore and, and your uh, players that you look up to. You answered that question already a little bit with Rodney Hudson and um, Shaq Mason and Quentin Nelson a little bit. So we're gonna go to Corey here that has a question also for David about scheme fit. Yeah, David, I just uh, – quick question real fast. I know uh, scheme fit is, is is all the rage in the NFL, especially um, Kubiak and, and Shanahan systems are starting to take over with wide zones. And so um, I was just uh, wondering what your your comfortability is in different schemes and uh, whether you prefer kind of the phone booth kind of style um, or if you, you prefer to get lateral into space and, and work in zones.
4: Yeah, I'm trying to get lateral in space and go take out a linebacker or a safety. I love running. So, like, just – Zone any zone type of scheme, just get me out in the open field and run. I'm for it, like, I just love it, yes, sir.
0: Love it, David. Love it, Corey. Let's keep you on here. Um, we only have two questions left. I have one question. We have one question we're gonna ch- uh hit in the chat here. You have a question for Tehran, yeah, Tehran. So, obviously, you mentioned that you're a versatile tight end, and so I was just uh kind of looking to get into your mind of um kind of how your mindset differs if you're split out, matched up on a corner versus uh, maybe in the slot on a safety or a linebacker versus, you know, even in uh, in the H-backs position, um, if you know you're on a linebacker or a safety, how does that differ from being lined up on a corner? Kind of what goes through your mind pre-snap? Um,
7: pre-snap, if I'm in the hip and, like, say we have split zone, I, I automatically know uh, just keep my eyes through the hip of the the tackle. It'll take me everywhere I need to go um, to make that, that block on the end, um, Another thing, um, I, in the in the slot matched up against the safety or a linebacker, it's just trying to – let me see. If it's a linebacker, I'm trying to just run past him and be faster than him. And out wide, it's just no way that they're going to press. It's no corner. I feel like it's going to press up. So um, either getting my – the slant or the hitch, my hitch route. Is, um what's been working for me in the past. So my mindset, uh, it, it's everywhere. Uh, you got to be real aggressive in the hip and outside just trying to be finesse.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for the questions, Corey. Um, if we missed a couple in the chat, we apologize. We definitely want to uh, wrap this up though here in a minute or so. or a little over an hour. I um, want to thank the panel so much for, for sticking with us here. A final question that I'm going to kick to all four of our panel here to end the night. Best player any year that you played in college, even into high school, if you remember someone that maybe became a big-time college player, best player that you have ever gone up against in a one-on-one matchup or just in general on your team? Why don't we go to Aquil first. Who, you, who stands out as maybe the best player that you've played against on the college level?
6: Uh, as far as college level, it has to be the year we played... Vanderbilt was my freshman year. Um, we played UAP Vanderbilt and South Alabama back to back to back. That was a long three weeks. But uh, Zach Cunningham, he, he played for Vanderbilt you now with the Texans, I think. He's been starting a couple of years. He was a man on his boys at, at linebacker. Um, all the way back in high school, my freshman year, we had get, we had a chance to play uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, that was a wow. That was. A- <laughs> At least,
0: but um, yeah, that's about it. Honestly, I love it. I love it. Why don't we go to Mr. David Moore, best player that you have been able to go against, high school or college?
4: That's tough. That's tough. Um, high school, I can't. I can't think. But it would have been cool to play against Hunter Henry because he he um his senior year was. My junior year, well, my sophomore year, so I didn't get, get a chance to play him, so it would have been cool. Um, college level, probably my teammate, uh, the Irish Christmas. So, yeah, he, he always br- he always brung it in practice every day, every day. So, if he wasn't had, he wasn't on all 10 with him, he, he was coming for you. So, as someone who I could say, you know, helped me get my game better, just competing every day, so, yeah, Christmas.
0: I love it, love it. Quintario, if I could ask you the best player that you have gone against.
5: Uh, I'll start off uh, college-wise, uh, I want, go to my teammate, um, Chris Blair. I feel like he's very underrated, and I feel like he's still going to get an opportunity uh, on the practice squad or anything on the next level. So I say Chris, ba- Chris Blair. And uh, in high school, I say it's two guys. They're actually in the NFL. Well, I'm not sure about if Dylan Mitchell's still in the NFL, but Dylan Mitchell, he played wide out for Oregon and um, also Tony Pollard. When I was in high school, I played cornerback and Tony Pollard for the Cowboys. Um, he was actually a receiver at first. I mean, well, they moved him around, but he went to uh, Merrill's and his high school and my high school, we was, we was rivals. So I'd say those two guys in high school, yeah, it was definitely one, two of the best I played against
0: love
5: it. How, how did that matchup go with Mr. Pollard? Did you give it to him? Uh, uh He was, I mean, I was young too. So I, I was a sophomore, actually. I mean, um, they they ended up winning the game, but they moved him around. But he was, he definitely had a good game. I mean, he had a decent game. I think he had like two catches on me. But gotcha. it was a good experience. I mean, he, he wanted, he, he a very good player. You see where he's at now, so.
0: Absolutely, hopefully you'll be able to see him very soon here in the near yes. future. Uh Now, Teron, ending with you here, best player that you have had the chance to go up against, college or high school?
7: Definitely have to be the college level. Uh, Darius Leonard, uh, I actually got my first college reception against those guys, uh, just seeing the way he move around and the way they, they just put five down linemen in front of the five offensive linemen and let him run. We literally made him the read key and he made, he came out with 12 or 13 tackles. And when we we're trying to go away from him and uh, another person would be Jermaine Martin. Uh, he's just special. Me, I'm on the offensive side and I'm in the defensive meeting rooms. Like, how are we going to stop him? Because if we stop him, we might have a chance. So, um, yeah, those two guys, man, they're just special.
0: Unfortunately, we did not get Jermaine on here tonight. But that's going to conclude the question segment here. I want to thank Mr. Quinterio Cole, David Moore, Aquil Glass, and Taron Mallard for being with us tonight. Before I do, I want to kick it over to my co-host here. Joe, if you want to just give a final word. um, I I, I thoroughly enjoy just getting the backstories here and being able to see so many different perspectives and what these programs have meant to these young men. I think it was really enlightening personally.
1: In case anyone was wondering, I played against Rashawn Gary in middle school. Same exact size in, at the age of 13 as he is now. Um, but I, I just want to say thank you guys for hopping in and, and taking the opportunity to just answer our questions and and talk with us tonight. It was really good to get to hear your stories and why you chose to play for your various institutions. I cover the FCS, so getting to actually talk with you guys, it was awesome just to hear from you. So if you guys uh, I followed all of you on Twitter. Appreciate the fall back. Hopefully, I get to talk to you guys in the future. But good luck going forward.
0: Absolutely, and kicking it over to Mr. Alex Gilstrap for the final word of the night.
2: Yeah. Uh, wow. Final word of the night. I appreciate the big <laughs> regards there. No, I appreciate y'all coming on talking to us. It, there's no doubt in my mind we have the best representation of the HBCU community that that we could have had here got some guys that are that are going to play on some Sundays. So uh, I appreciate y'all taking time to talk with us. Appreciate NFL Draft Bible for putting all this together alongside with Ryan. Um, but yeah, so so happy to be able to get some backstory to some of these names that I've known for for quite some time uh, in the draft community. So appreciate y'all.
0: Absolutely. So we want to thank again the panel. We want to thank Mr. Jordan Reed. I think I had to hop off, but we appreciate him from the Draft Network hopping on with us to talk about his experiences as well. Need to thank Mr. Dakota Fall, who's behind the scenes handling everything. Big thank you for all the technical work on the back end. Thank you to Mr. Rick Saratella, owner, founder of the NFL Draft Bible, for the opportunity to put this together. Thanking everybody, all the listeners, everybody that came in tonight. Appreciate you all so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed every second of this. I hope everyone has a great night. And I hope to talk to everybody again very soon.